You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Are you afraid of the dark? These are the questions. The darkness that resides within, the darkness in the world. Jesus has a lot of questions for us about the darkness. Uh, This is the season called Epiphany. Uh, It's about, you know what an epiphany is. You've had one. You've said you've had one. You know people who have had one. They are revelations. They are insights. And in this season, we're getting deeper insights into who Jesus is. That's what it is about, seeing Jesus with clearer and fresher eyes. And so we're taking a look at that. And we're using Jesus' light and darkness language, his seeing language, his eyesight language, to do that. Who does Jesus tell us who he is and what's going on in the world? world. That's what we're asking. What does Jesus teach us about himself, and how can we really see the real him? That's what epiphany is. If you have any questions or comments about anything I say or answers to questions that I pose, feel free to send them if you want. The phone number's right here. It's also in the bulletin. It's just like a text. You're just texting me. I just have an app. I get them, and I love them. If you have a meme to send with something I said, that is even better. But the question is, is like, are we afraid of the dark? And I think today Jesus is going to ask a, even a, a deeper question. It feels deeper to me. Actually, it's, it's are you afraid of the light? Because we make home in the darkness a lot. It feels normal to us. And sometimes we don't like light to get in on our darkness because there's a lot of stuff going on under there. And so Jesus is going to talk about light today. And, and the implicit question is, are you afraid of light? Are you afraid of the light? Like little cockroaches when you flip your... When some people, when I flip my kitchen light on, they scurry, right? Just afraid of the light. That's what's going on inside our souls. That's what we're doing. We're looking at this. If you want to read some passage with me, some scripture, I'm flipping over to 794. We're in Luke 12, easily one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. We're going to pick up where we left off last week for a verse, and then we're going to add the next two verses Three verses today. Last week was a mountain of scripture. This week, just three verses. Jesus talking about the light. Again, the context is Jesus just got done arguing with the religious leaders who he is very angry with. He's primarily angry with religious leaders. He's a little bit upset with the, there's a crowds now and the crowds are violently pushing in on each other. And Jesus is frustrated with the crowds because all they desire is signs and miracles. But he's mostly upset with the religious leaders Um, and he's stuck between those two groups of people teaching us. So we're in Luke 12, 1 through 3. He just got done chastising the religious leaders named the Pharisees, and here's what God's word says for us today. When a crowd of thousands upon thousands had gathered so that they were crushing each other, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. Watch out. There's some sea language. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. We talked last week about yeast, how they didn't understand what it was. It was the secret agent in the air and on things that made dough puff up. And last week we talked about how Jesus was encouraging us to watch out what we expose ourselves to because the influence really does seep in. So he says, watch out for the yeast, the secret rising agent, shaping agent of the Pharisees. And he says, I mean their hypocrisy. And this, and this translation says, the mismatch between their hearts and their lives. And then Jesus goes on. 
Nothing is hidden that won't be revealed. And nothing is secret that won't be brought out into the open. Therefore, whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in the rooms deep inside the house will be announced from the rooftops. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God today. Darkness, light, softness, whispers into loud rooftops. This is what Jesus wants to talk to us about. What does this passage mean? I hate to tell you, we're not entirely sure. There are three primary meanings um, based on the context our scholars have come up with, and they're interrelated, and I want to give them to you today, as I always do, three points, head, heart, hands. It just fits perfectly. It's just a great number of the Lord, threes, something for us to know with our head, information, something for us to feel in our hearts, transformation, something for us to do with our hands, action, so that information doesn't get stuck. This isn't a philosophy. It moves to our hearts so that we have a transformation because, but we need it to go further than transformation. It has to mean something to us. It has to be meaningful to us. And I think the good news is, but it's got to go further as action out into the world. So we have a holistic faith that moves to us, through us, and back out towards love, towards God and neighbor. So that's all questions I always ask every time I read a passage. What does God want us to know, feel, and do? What I think God wants us to know in this passage, with this theme, in this context is this. The invisible kingdom of God will become full-blown reality. The invisible kingdom will become full-blown reality. And he says nothing is secret that won't be brought out into the open. This is, if you want a big fancy seminary word, eschatology. This is an eschatological promise. It just means it's, it's a promise about the end. Jesus' primary message, his number one sermon, particularly in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, his number one sermon is about this thing called the kingdom of God, that God is becoming king over God's creation again, that we messed it up, we plunged creation, humans, Adam and Eve and humans, we plunged creation into darkness, into brokenness, into sin and sinfulness, and God is taking back over taking over from death being in charge, taking over from Satan being in charge, taking over from the governments thinking that they got some kind of godly power to be in charge. God is becoming king again, and he's going to make the world the way that he desired it in the beginning. That's why we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is our primary prayer as disciples of Jesus. It's about this thing called the kingdom. The world is going to become the way that God had intended it. And what Jesus is saying here is that following Jesus only makes sense if the kingdom thing is true. That the first should be last. That we should be radically generous. That the greatest of all is the slave of all. That if your enemy hits you, you should turn to them the other cheek. This only makes sense if the kingdom is real and true, but it feels secret right now. It feels hidden. And Jesus is saying, I know you're living by a secret wisdom. You're living by a hidden way that doesn't make sense to the world. Our world is dog-eat-dog. Our world is as mass as much as you can. Our world is get ahead by any means necessary. And Jesus says, not so with you. You're going to follow my example because the kingdom is real. And Jesus wants you to know that the kingdom is on its way. It will be revealed. And you will no longer be living by a secret wisdom 
and a secret kingdom. It is going to be full-blown reality, and you're not going to be weird anymore. You're going to be right, and they're going to be weird. Everything that is hidden will be revealed. This is an encouragement to you to keep going. The religious leaders think Jesus is from the devil, and the people only want to see miracles but we are trying to see Jesus for who he is and act accordingly based on the reality that he has set for us. And someday the kingdom will become full-blown reality and we will be vindicated. Hold on to that secret knowledge that you have about the coming of the kingdom. Here's a silly example about what this means. Silly example. I need some participation though. If you have some answers, call them out. Who's the greatest Canadian that's ever existed? existed. Who? Gretzky Gretzky is, who'd you say? I thought you guys were going to give me other answers. It's obviously Wayne Gretzky, (laughs) which tells you how much we know. You know, Alexander Graham Bell was Canadian. The guy who invented the telephone. We're like, it's Gretzky. It's (laughs) telephone guy. (laughs) What did that guy do? Uh, It's Gretzky. And so the silly example about the kingdom is like if Gretzky came to Orville and was like, hey, Canada is going to take over America. I know that would never happen. We're the greatest. We're number one. But just say, for example, he was like, Canada is going to take over. I need you to prepare for that reality because that's going to become the full-blown reality is you're going to be Canada South, South Canada, Right? So what are some things that Canadians do? What are they known for? Poutine. Poutine. Maple syrup. What? A. a. They say A. The Mounties. Yeah. A. And sorry. A. Moose. Lemmings. Yes. So if we thought Canada was really going to take over, say we gathered together once a week on a Sunday morning, and instead of bread and wine, we had... French fries and gravy because they're eating that poutine up there with their little cheese curds. And maybe we learned the French Canadian uh, what's it, national anthem because they all have to learn that in school because there's a little bit of France going on. And unfortunately, we had to learn the metric system. I know the whole world uses it, but only one of those nations in the world landed on the moon and they were not using the metric system. Um, but maybe we're learning the metric system and maybe we're learning French culture and maybe we're learning about French actions and we're saying French things because we believe it's coming. This is a silly example of what we're doing with this thing called the kingdom. We gather to create a little kingdom enclave so that things feel normal here that feel weird out there because we fully believe that God is bringing and is already amongst us this thing called the kingdom of God and we're practicing that. Instead of grape juice, it would be maple syrup. We would do it for that reality. And Jesus says, keep going. Keep going. This is the future. And you all are going to be vindicated because what is secret will be revealed. What is secret? I got more Canada slides. I'm sorry. Imagine it's coming. We gather each week to prepare. I got ahead of my own slides. To encourage, to hold each other accountable. Did you learn your millimeters? We're doing stuff. Sorry. This is what we're doing for the kingdom. Caught up. Yes, this is what we're doing. And you will be vindicated. If it feels silly to the world, this thing we're doing, it feels weird. The cross is a stumbling block to the Jews and the Gentiles, but to us, it is salvation. 
And Jesus promises that the kingdom will come fully. You will be victorious. You'll be vindicated when the secret things are revealed. What does Jesus want us to feel and experience in the midst of this? For me, it goes, we've been saying it the last four weeks. I'm going to say it again. Our truest self, we're talking about our inside self, our spiritual self. Our truest self is revealed in our toughest times. Our truest self is revealed in our toughest times. One of the contexts of Luke 12 is that if you follow Jesus in a world that thinks we're weird, you're going to experience persecution in hard times. Times are going to be hard for you. And one of the things that Jesus is saying is that the thing that makes you who you are is going to be on full display when you go through tough times. So watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, that secret thing that shapes you. Don't let them shape you, he says. And then immediately he says, nothing is hidden that won't be revealed. The yeast was hidden, but it will be exposed. Everything will be exposed. The thing that makes you who you are is going to be exposed, usually during very difficult times. Yeast was hidden. I'm excited. I'm, I'm way past my slides. Let's turn these slides off. Jesus wanted us to know that, that um, that's just to be exposed, that what we exposed ourselves to will shape you. And that, that, that stuff is going to be exposed to the world. You can't keep it hidden, the stuff that shaped you and formed you and makes you who you are. It will be revealed. And not only just supernaturally at the end of the world, but every time you go through difficulties and your struggle and you get frustrated and you get angry, it's going to bubble out. The context is trials and tribulations, yes. And these reveal our truest self, what we trusted in, uh, what we trusted in, what shapes us, all that stuff's going to get revealed. We got this interesting phrase, word in English. It's the word metal, metal. It came from the exact same word as metal. Do I have anything metal in here? I guess I don't. This thing? Comes from the same, um, it comes from the same word, but in the 1700s, they wanted to remove the confusion between what makes up a human and what makes up an object, and so they switched it to this one called metal. And we have slogans and sayings, like somebody needs to prove your metal. We're gonna, you're going to prove your metal, or we're going to test your metal, or you need to be on your metal. That's a little bit of an older saying. We have it. It's in our lexicon. I got nine seconds of... Um, the Wizard of Oz, to let you know that they're saying it in here. The Tin Man says it. Take a listen. I put the words up in case you can't understand. That's all you get. Let that earworm sink in for the rest of the day. <laughs> And what we mean by this, proving your metal, testing your metal, being on your metal, he's saying when he goes through hard times, I, I should be rising to the challenge. I should, the core of me, what makes me who I am, should be rising to the challenge. And yet he can't. There's something going on inside him, a lack of a heart, that uh, makes it so that he can't rise to the challenge. This is what we mean. And this is what Jesus means. Uh, when we go through hard times, we're proving the stuff that we're made of. We're showing the world what is actually at the core of who we are, certainly through hard times. And Jesus tells us that's exactly what will be revealed. Not only supernaturally when Jesus pulls back the curtain, the fabric of time and space, 
and reveals everything. But even now, when you're just going through difficulties, all that stuff that has shaped you is going to bubble out. Our truest selves are revealed in our toughest times. Our truest self, you can't pretend forever. In fact, God refuses to bless the pretend parts of us. It's just not part of God's mission. God refuses to heal the parts of us that we want to keep hidden in the darkness. Christianity is about coming and surrendering and welcoming the Holy Spirit in to clean house, to not keep pretending, to let the Holy Spirit build up that metal, to increase the core of who we are, to give us a strong spiritual self so that we can withstand anything that life throws at us, including bomb cyclones or whatever. Is that what they're called? I keep saying that. Is that what it is? Oh, bombs. That's the storm that's coming. It's called a bomb cyclone? The atmospheric river. They just keep making up new stuff. Pineapple thing. What is it? <laughs> um, it's all going to come out. It's all coming out which is also a great metric for you, right? When you're going through hard times, that stuff that's oozing out of you is a great metric and indicator of what's going on inside of you. Take a look. But the people around you know, it can't stay hidden forever. It will be revealed. This is a promise of Jesus. The hidden stuff will be revealed. Bomb cyclone, yeah, vindicated. Like the kingdom coming, I'm vindicated. Thank you, Matt. And if it's from Christ and it's real, we can be strong. And if it's not from Christ, what is going to be revealed is something less than strong. And so Jesus is encouraging us and wanting us to experience that our truest self gets revealed during our toughest times. What do we do then? What's the action in here? Uh, what in this mysterious passage about darkness and light is Jesus encouraging us? There's a therefore in the passage, and that's always helpful. As a cheesy pastor joke, whenever there's a therefore, you always ask what it's there for. And the therefore is usually to tell you what you should do in light of what Jesus just said. And so here's what I'm taking away from it. Jesus wants you to live in a way that looks good in the light and that sounds good out loud. Here's what he says, light, loud. Therefore... Whatever you have said in the darkness will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in dark rooms deep inside the house will be announced from the rooftops. Jesus wants you to know that light and loud is coming. If you've ever done a study on revolutions, I meant revelation. Uh, If you've ever done a study on revelation, it's loud. Trumpets like a rock concert are just blasting all the time. Light and loud is coming. Are you ready to look good in the light? And in the loud, in the light, out loud. Remember a few weeks ago, Jesus says, when you are close to him, the inside of you will shine as if the outside of you had a lamp directly on you. This is what he wants, that light of Christ to ooze out of you. A little bit scandalous of an example, but um, there was a gym in town when it opened. It had an advertisement that um, played on some of our insecurities. It said, you should join the gym so that you can look good naked. Not to feel good, not to live longer, not to get healthy, to look good in the light without clothes, right? This taps into a deep insecurity that we have, 
that we want to look good in the light. Not just physically, but in all ways. And yet so much we just desire darkness because it covers over a lot of the cockroaches that hide in our souls. I think humanity is insecure about this. We're anxious. We're afraid. And that's so normal for us that we just prefer it sometimes because it feels like normal. So Jesus is asking, are you afraid of the light? Are there parts of you that you don't want exposed? Sorry, the light is coming. And the loudness is coming. And all the stuff you say in secret will be revealed. And all the hidden stuff is going to come out. But I also believe that there is nothing more compelling than someone who isn't insecure, anxious, and afraid. That we all desire to be someone who is secure, and confident, and peaceful. And this is what Jesus wants for you too. And this is what he's wanting you to embrace. This is what he wants you to know that exists in him, that the closer you get to him, you can have this security, and confidence, and peace, so that you're not like the rest of the world who walks around anxious, and secure, and afraid. That you are not afraid of the light, but you shine inside out. I listen to a lot of Eastern Orthodox priests and monks because that's just something fun that I do. Besides comedians, it's monks. I got a nine-second clip from a guy. They asked him. It was a Q&A with this, this monk, I mean this, this priest, and he said, um, they asked him, how should I evangelize to my friends? How should I let them know about the good news of Jesus? And I just found this compelling, and I think this is what Jesus is encouraging us to do too. Nine seconds, take a listen. Try to live the faith yourself. He's, um, he's, uh, he's has a very booming voice. See, be humble. Let's see if we can try again. See, be humble. Try to live the faith yourself. Uh, there's nothing more attractive than someone following the Lord, faithfully giving themselves over to Christ. That is it. One more time. Here we go. See, be humble. Try to live the faith yourself. Uh, there's nothing more attractive than someone following the Lord, faithfully giving themselves over to Christ. That is it. That's it. That's all I wanted you to hear. The most attractive thing about our faith is people living the faith who are secure, who are not anxious, who are peaceful in the Lord. This is what God wants for you. This is what he wants you to embrace, that you would embrace the process of cleaning out the darkness and the cobwebs and having a life where you can live out loud and live in the light. The inside of you matches the outside of you and you are secure and at peace That's the most attractive thing. That's the most compelling witness to who Christ is. Not arguments. People don't get argued into the faith. Hardly ever. And I love arguing. It breaks my heart that that's not how this works. That I got to do it. That I got to live it. That I got to be it. That I got to ooze it. That people got to see it even when I don't think that they're seeing it. That's how this thing is compelling to people. That's what draws people in. I'm going to wrap up. I was in a small group yesterday and we got a great quote, it was a prayer that I thought was really helpful and on point with this. And the prayer said, like, I'm paraphrasing, but, but turn our guilt into honesty and our envy into enjoyment and our competition into celebration and accusing fingers into open hands. And I just, this feels like out loud in the light living to me. That when someone is doing something great and they have success and they want to celebrate, that I'm not envious. 
right? And I'm not competing, which I do. That's my natural humanity. That's oftentimes your natural humanity. But somebody who's living in the light and living out loud and letting the Holy Spirit work on the inside of them, they can enjoy what's going on in other people's life. They can celebrate. They don't have to be worried about getting in trouble. Man, the little kid in me is always worried about getting in trouble. I'd love to be healed to the point where honesty is my primary response to hard situations. I'm wrapping up. But who doesn't want to be around a person like that? That celebrates them, that enjoys them, that encourages them, that is honest with them, that, that is generous with them. That's what I want to be. Those are the kinds of people I want to be around. And Jesus says that that is possible. That that is possible. If we keep putting our hope in him, we keep spending time with him, we keep letting him work on our truest self, the dark parts, the pretend parts, the parts that need healed, we can become someone who's not afraid of the light or to live out loud. Questions, comments, criticisms, concerns. If someone is going through a hard time, is it okay to call them out about it? Or should we ignore them? <laughs> because I've had something I needed to say to you for a long time. No, I'm just kidding. What if it's like, it's like, and we, this is an intervention. There's 60 people. We've got to talk to you, Pastor James. The phrase that I use is um, connection before correction. So uh, correction is always good, right? We tell the truth in love, um, and that involves both truth and love. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit and you to help navigate that. Now, I'm an overly, I, I don't do a lot of correction. I do mostly connection. And so I'll tell you that I, I lean too much probably into connection before correction. Um, but I'm trusting the Spirit to let you figure that out. Of, um, do you, I'm not just blasting strangers for minor things, right? Um, but if there's someone that I'm close to that I feel like needs correction, happy to bring that up. Ask my children. They know deep in their bones. We had a talk yesterday. Stop slamming the door. Correction over small stuff. Um, Gen Z is very good at encouraging and praising their friends. I love Gen Z. I know they get a lot of slack in the world, but the world is doomed and going to hell. Gen Z does a great job on some things that maybe other generations hasn't. They are very encouraging to one another. Great stuff. And then somebody wanted to make a case for a different Canadian, and they are wrong. Let me correct you on your understanding of Canadian greatness. Thank you. Um, my conclusion as I'm wrapping up, and then we're going to pray and head into a time of hearing from communion. Nothing remains a secret forever. This is good news, and it is bad news in, in seminary, we call it multivalent. It's got layers. It's got layers. The good news is that the secret wisdom of the kingdom of God that we have put our hope into, that God is going to restore and recreate and make all things new, that's going to become a full-blown reality. You can bank on it, is what Jesus is saying. But number two, he wants you to know that your true self leaks out during your toughest times. And it's going to get tough, a lot. Even our best lives have tough spots. And so Jesus wants to make sure that you're making sure that you are building yourself up on the right things, primarily him and his word and his power and his cross. And lastly, 
Embrace. This is what we want you to do. Embrace the idea that you're going to be living out loud and you're going to be living in the light and become the, make your inside person like your outside person. Not like the Pharisees whose inside is ugly and their outside looks great. He says, we're not doing that. That is horrible. Make sure your inside matches your outside. Let's have integrity. Let's be a, a whole human being that's healed in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this word this encouragement, this promise that you are going to vindicate us and help us to continue on this path. Let us not hesitate. Let us not try to keep feet in both worlds, but let us invest wholly in the kingdom that is coming, that is good, that looks like you, and that is going to restore and redeem, recreate us. Help us in that. It is hard to continue to live by an invisible wisdom. But we desire that that is the thing that shapes us, that makes us into who you want us to be, a guiding light for how we walk this journey. And Lord, we do desire that our insides match our outsides. That's why we're here. I really do genuinely believe that each and every one of us is here because we feel the tension of the inside and the outside, and we want peace. We want your goodness. We want to be flooded with your love and your joy. And so we're here. Maybe not in the right way or the right frame of mind or right in the right space, but we're here and we're asking you that we believe, help us in our unbelief so that we can experience the real you on the inside of us. Because we want our insides to match our outsides. So Father, now as we come to this time of communion, We take this bread and this cup as a symbol of you, your death and your resurrection inside of us. We take it in faith, asking you to heal the insides of us, that our insides would match uh, the outside and that we would be holy and whole and healed people. We give you praise and thanks and we say these things in Jesus' name. Table Church, will you help me finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.